All right. Actually, uh, yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> okay. Podcasting can be hard. Uh, remote for sure. I saw your tweet today. That was pretty pretty nice to. Was that this morning? God, it was a long day. Uh, I think it was last night. Maybe it was this morning. Basically, about the remote. Yeah. So the uh, if you were to pull back the Bob and Kevin show curtain, we are not co-located. We're a couple hundred miles away, right? I I know we're about three hours and fifteen minute drive time. I don't know how many miles that turns into though. It's probably only like one sixty five, one seventy, given Chicagoland traffic. Boo. Uh, toll booths. Um, <laughs> yeah. Strategic places to not run out of gas, so you gotta kind of make sure <laughs> you can keep keep carrying forward. Ah, uh, yes. So, do we want to uh, talk a little bit about this podcast before we get started today, or when do you want to insert that in? Whatever you want to do, man. I just got done running four miles, and I I need to get jump started here. Well, I I don't even know how I. Oh. I don't know. Oh, where did I even get this? I think it was from a Joe Rogan episode. He was talking to Tom Papa. Yeah, I think. And this came up, the Sam Harris, uh, the trouble with Facebook. Uh, I think it's episode 152 from the Making Sense podcast. So Sam, 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 <laughs> Sam, Sam Harris had uh, Roger McNamee. And they were talking about his book, Zucked. And I thought it was very timely because we talked about Zuck's Four Simple Rules a couple weeks back. And just kind of, we've, we've been beating up on them, but apparently it's with good cause. So what were some of your thoughts listening to that podcast today? Um, a little bit of validation. So I'll just go, go ahead and say, I guess, confirmation bias. So I felt like maybe I'm not crazy for thinking that it's okay to want my privacy, to not want to be on the Truman Show. I, you know, I didn't elect to be on the Truman Show. I guess Jim Carrey didn't either. Um, but we are, are all in our own mini Truman Shows. And I, I found it interesting that we, we made that connection, I think, just as soon as last podcast, just offhand. And so that was number one. I'm like, okay, so I think a little we, bit of validation. I think we right? even mentioned it. I think we even mentioned it when we were still doing video on YouTube, the the Truman Show metaphor. I think you're right. But I did like the the term high resolution avatar. That I, that was one that I liked. <laughs> and so so I guess I, the biggest thing I got out of it, like I said, I'm not crazy. Well, I I don't know if that's that's true or not. Maybe I am still crazy, and maybe he is too. And we're just you know going to crazy town in the same boat. But. Um, I, I, one of the things he said was, uh, if you're using Google Docs Drive and that sort of thing, it's like walking naked in the Google Nexus or whatever it's called there. So I, I did find that pretty um, interesting that, you know, maybe, maybe there's something to this. Um, we don't have to accept the rules by big tech and we can possibly start to take back our individuality. What do you think? Well, you had posted an article about um, how the web privacy thing isn't necessarily, uh, I don't, can't remember. It was about not nearly as negative as sometimes we paint it out to be, or that we can have web privacy if we want it kind of thing. But, you know, uh, Mr. McNamee definitely, uh, definitely had some echoes with me of the stuff that he was talking about. Well, the, the thing that resonated with me, and again, it's more confirmation that... Okay, somebody at least one or yeah, at least two people out in the world, you know, are kind of buying into what I'm thinking here is the idea that you don't even have to be an active member of Facebook or Google because they've assimilated you into their system, whether you want it or not. Because I read another article today, um, basically, Zuckerberg has this idea of recipe. Uh, to be reciprocal, I'm trying to say res reciprocity or whatever that word is. To be reciprocity is the word. I think. Thank you're you. For. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you for saving me. Um, so Ding. basically, we'll give you access to the stuff that we got if your app pays us back with giving us social data that you have. So we'll scratch. Y'all show me yours if you show me 
you know, I'll show you mine if you show me yours type thing, but with data. And I, I just feel like that's so gross that I'm as a person being treated like that. And of course they'll be like, Oh, well we, and you know, it's an anonymous data. No, it's not. Cause that takes me to my next point of Facebook uses the whole, and they said this in the podcast too. Facebook says, Oh, well we want to use real names so we can hold people accountable. Or it's because now we can directly market to you because you're not cool guy five five two, which is really who is that, right? Right. And plus, they can they can craft a a complete composite image of you based on you know based. Th- this is the interesting part about the podcast. They talked about how the in the base moments, so the platforms are basically designed to strip us down to our base levels, and some of that is sometimes our anger to find out how we react in the purest sense of the word. And then online retailers can use that data to speak to us at a very primitive level. It's crazy. So, Paging yeah, Sigmund Freud. <laughs> well, there's a lot of heady stuff that goes into all this data mining that's happening. And it's funny because you and I both listened to another podcast over the past couple of days that was related to podcasting and advertising and really, you know, the, some of the advertisers were on this panel or large advertising conglomerates were on this panel and talking about a lot of the same stuff. And, you know, in both those podcasts, it's like you almost hear them saying data is the new oil, but no one ever said it. So I'm going to still maybe I am going to lay claim to it. <laughs> there you go. I think I think we need to uh, get it registered and start uh, paying for this podcast because we actually are hosted on Podbean, which is one of the few pay services left out there. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take a little bit of royalty uh, or whatnot to uh, cover our costs. What do you think? Well, it'd be great if we had merch that we could sell with that on that and we wouldn't get cease and desisted. That would be interesting. Um, but are there, are there other... I figured that most of the services for podcast hosting are pay. Am I not doing my research? I have no idea. I just know that Anchor FM, which is uh, what's yes. doing our flash brief hosting, is totally free. And you got Bob's thoughts, and you've got my friends are amazing. Is that is that also on Anchor? MFAA is still on Podbean. I've got until I think September to make that switch, but I think I'm going to move it over, and hopefully one day I'll actually start doing that thing again. Um. I felt like there was a really good bridge over there, but I, I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Uh, I'll try to get us. So I had asked you earlier in the day, ponder this question, Bob, and maybe you had time or not. Um, also, side note, Bob and I have real jobs <laughs> during the day, and we, we do a lot of witty banner between each other on Slack, but we got to be careful not to, to divulge too much of our inner thoughts that Mr. Freud and Mr. Zuckerberg would, would love. Um and that question is, what does Facebook look like in five years, Bob? Oh, that's right. We had so much stuff on here. Uh, and we did shut this one down pretty quickly. That's a really good one. It was funny because the gift that I posted was from Nosedive. And uh, that was one of our, my favorite YouTube episodes we did. We talked about the Black Mirror episode of Nosedive. And I think that it's probably not five years. It's probably more like 10 years that Facebook is the ubiquitous social, not only social media, but social ranking platform that exists. And I, I really do see that it's not going to take long for that to get there. Hmm. So, and so if we look back five years and then by the way, you sent me another article today, we have a lot of links to put in show notes, um, a, a wired story about, um, 15 months of fresh hell in that basically it's the last year and a half or so, of, of Facebook scandals and whatnot. So if you look back five years, 2014, that's really when the ticking time bomb went off, um, I think. And then moving forward, that's when it just kind of started to get awkward. So if I take the last five years and if I were to look and portray that forward five years, I mean, you know, it's, you know, in a linear fashion, their stock would be doing great. But I'm going to take the opposite, Bob. I think eventually... In the next five years, I think Zuckerberg and Facebook will not only plateau, but start down the MySpace route, because I think people will finally 
have enough of it. And I think we'll have baby Facebooks. Uh, I think we'll have more alternatives. We'll have a Google Plus that isn't run by Google. It'll be called, it'll be like Slack. So it'll be some disruptive thing that comes out of nowhere and challenges that. But of course, um, the defense lawyer might say, have you ever heard of eBay? And how is that still a thing? And nobody has been able to shake that up. What say you, Bob? I still think that that Facebook right now is basically hardening and slickening their Teflon outer coating, you know, with their, with their fake asking for the government to step in and the government not even wanting to touch it with a 10 foot pole. And the fact that, you know, you have these articles of 18 months or 15 months of hell, you know, the, the Facebook timeline and you look at all those occurrences and, you know, there's sometimes you see a declining membership model for them in a measurement period but I think that that's got more to do with saturation than people leaving. So what's going to stop the juggernaut? That's, I mean, that's really what it boils down to for me. Well, for me, the bigger you are, the harder you fall. So I, I think, event, I mean, if you look at uh, the U.S. financial industry, it got too big to fail, right? Too big to fail. Well, then the, the American government bailed it out, but, and the car industry too, but I don't know that anyone's going to rush in if Facebook gets too big, crushes under its own weight and, um, implodes. I don't think anyone's rushed. I don't think the U S government's going to rush in and be like, we need Facebook. Um, so I think, I think they are. Oh, I think they are because if you look at like, we had a discussion, gosh, it's so funny. We have all these little offline discussions. I wish we could record live broadcast live every day while we're working because some of it would be good radio um (laughs) but we talked about uh alexandria ocasio cortez aoc on twitter um talked about her leaving facebook so she left facebook and said that's because it's a toxic environment asterisk caveat however she still has entities on the platform so that she may advertise i think if Facebook were to take a total nosedive, not to be punny, but yes, to be punny, the government would most definitely step in because it's the best marketing vehicle for a never-ending election and news cycle that they have. Wow. Uh, that's scary. <laughs> if, 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 if we need Facebook to that extent in our life, I, I will be... We very- don't need it, but I think the government does. All right, let me ask a provocative or potentially provocative question here. More provocative than the last question? I'm intrigued. (laughs) (laughs) Can we live in a modern society without apps? Meaning, are we forced to participate? Because if you don't, where does that put you? And I give you exhibit A, and that's the proverbial company you work for, and I work for, so not your company. Maybe now's a good time for that disclaimer. Oh, I already found a spot for it earlier, but if we haven't already inserted it, we will insert it now. The thoughts and opinions of Bob and Kevin of the Bob and Kevin show are exclusively the thoughts of Bob and Kevin and not the thoughts of their employers. Past, present, and probably not future. Okay. So, um, so my point is, is, you know, company X, we'll, we'll, we'll water it down, is integrated with Google Maps. Company X is integrated with Google Analytics because we have ubiquity in, well, that's the thing you use. And then, you know, Google Maps pulls the, oh, well, now you need a billing thing. Oh, well, okay, well, I guess we're going to play along. And on that podcast um, that we listened to earlier, um, the guest was very, and I can't remember his name, but the guest will go. The is, this the, is this the Sam Harris one? Yes. Roger McNamee. Roger. Full credit. Roger, Roger McNamee. He has some good points. It's, you know, it's, it may seem, and maybe this is tinfoil hat, which has never happened on this show before. It may seem that Google Maps is be- benevolent where, hey guys, we, or hey gang, we are going to offer this cool location service. <laughs> I got myself there. We're going to ha- have this cool location service. But if you look at it from Google's point of view, what's, what's, is, is it really benevolent or is it, well, now we have more data points. And now we can send these cars because we have a lot of gaps, you know, and take pictures. Now we have street view. 
And oh, by the way, we have Google Analytics too, and we can combine the data sets. So not only do we know where you go online, what you like, but where you are. And then you just had a flash brief the other day, or yesterday, on how law enforcement's like, oh yeah, um, treasure trove, let's just go find that guy, we know where he's at. Yeah, they're geofence warrants that are being used to get the data that Google has. So basically, we have we have digital footprints all over the place, and they're really just data for hire. I mean, it's all there for the taking. Well, it's there for the buying, but it's also there for the taking. It falls in the wrong hands, and know, that's a lot of trouble. Much as I sound like probably a crazy libertarian, which I'm not. I'm I'm, I'm independent, but this this feels like. Illegal Independent s- is code for libertarian, by the way. Probably. You know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not keeping score. But but it feels like, and I think it's the Fourth Amendment. Again, I'm, I'm no, like, you know, social warrior here. I'm a privacy warrior, not a social warrior. But illegal search and seizure is circumvented here because you just let all these private entities do the, the, the surveillance, and then you just go warrant it when you, you know, drop a warrant with a judge and all this 10 years of where... Kevin and Bob have been, what they've been doing is just readily available. I watch a ton of investigation discovery channel. So, you know, on, on direct TV while I'm waiting for studio one, a to be completed, you know, a lot of times I'm just watching people getting killed left and right. And one of the things that always comes up is they pull their Facebook and their phone records. And right there, you see oh, all yeah. their, you see all their direct messages. You see, um, you know, their check-ins, you see, you know, all these threats to each other, you see who called who. And while it's super great for law enforcement, and you may say, well, Kevin, if you have nothing to hide, what are you worried about? There's just a bit of me that's like, freedom, where's, where's my right to privacy? Where can I go just get away from it all and not commit any crimes and just be off the grid. Do I really have to turn into one of these mountain men and move to Alaska? Is that what I have to do, Bob? Put the device away. And that seems like a great dovetail into one of the other things we wanted to talk about tonight, right? Yeah, but we never did the show intro and we're like 17 minutes in. So maybe we should do that. You are listening to the Bob and Kevin show with Bob Beatty Bar and Kevin Gishesky. Each week, we cover relevant tech and social issues related to technology. Our website is bobandkevin.show. And our episodes can be found virtually on any podcast network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Bob and Kevin Show. Hey, Kevin, what are we talking about today? Hey, Bob, I'm glad you asked. Well, we're going to call on some old friends, especially Facebook, the social media network that keeps on giving to podcasts like this one. So uh, we already kind of a little talked about, uh, you know, can we live in this modern society without apps? Are we forced to participate? Um, I took a little bit of a science experiment on myself about how much I'm using apps and screen time and things like that. And I asked you to also kind of look into that because I'm an Android person, which is also known as a privacy um, sieve. <laughs> and then you're on <laughs> iOS, which is... I, I, I think an Android voice is also known as a tracking device, right? Yeah, I, I believe so. And you're on Apple, so we kind of have different perspectives there. Uh, and then I think we're going to talk uh, in quite a bit of detail about AI and machine learning because I was amassing a lot of thoughts over the last few days, and we're also going to uh, address one of the uh, tweets you sent me from Tim Pool, which is uh, a person that's on the Joe Rogan show often, and um, we're going to talk about can YouTube, Facebook, Twitter scale without AI, and what are the perils that come with it? So I think that's what we're going to talk about. What do you think? Sounds great. I think we're going to talk about some scary robots, too, because I remember that from our, our conversations today. So All right. Who the, who the hell are you? I'm Kevin, and you are? <laughs> and I'm Bob. Thank you Bob for and Kevin show. <laughs> Thank you for that. See, this is Thanks why you're for listening. Than... Thanks for <laughs> listening. And if you're ever interested in getting in touch with us, listen now. Hey, have you ever wondered how you can get in touch with us at the Bob and Kevin show? Well, first... You can try us via email at comments at bobandkevinshow.com. Or are you more into social? 
If so, you can find us on Twitter at Bob and Kevin Show. Or on Instagram as Bob N. Kevin Show. That's Bob, the letter N, Kevin Show. And if you're still on Facebook, you can even find us at facebook.com slash Bob and Kevin Show. And for the serious business fans, you can even find us on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash company slash the dash Bob dash Kevin dash show. How's that for a handle? Let's connect. All right. Thanks, Bob. See, this is why you should do that stuff. And, but see, I, I usually do the show notes and you do the, like the good radio reads. So when, when, when we get that first advertiser, I think, uh, I think you're going to be our read guy. If we were really prepared, you would share a little bit of the show notes with me ahead of time. And that way I could still do the fake read part. But you know, but how- you put... You put the gotchas in there, so. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm the set you up so I can knock you down questioner. I'm like the uh, interrogator, you know, so. Or, or did I? Nope, I didn't fuck up. Okay, good. I was going to say, uh, did you post the show notes and I just didn't look in the right channel? <laughs> no, no. So they're all secrets right now. So this is yes. another like show thing. I usually keep a list of notes here secret from Bob. So he get, I get, what we want to do is get general reactions here. Or did I say general? I meant genuine. Holy cow. <laughs> we don't want general reactions. We want genuine reactions. Because in our early days of YouTube, we... <laughs> okay, Kevin forgot to hit record once on a show, and we had to do a whole show over again. And it was really awkward because I had to ask, and Bob had to like play along. Like, oh, this is I the first time it, I heard it. <laughs> I still thought it turned out pretty like legit looking. Yeah, I mean, I, all twenty views and all that anxiety for nothing. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a uh, couple things. We're gonna get into the robots first, but. The previous conversation with Facebook, let me put a bow on it. So wouldn't it be weird because we have a convergence where Google is not only knows where you're at, uh, Google Analytics and Facebook know what you're into and what you've bought and what are you, you probably are planning to buying. Um, I'm going to try to phrase this one. Well, wouldn't it be really bad if certain adult websites had the Facebook SDK in the background and let's say the user's a little too busy to do a right-click inspect <laughs> to see what's going on under the hood on this site. And now those data points are part of your profile as well. So I don't know how to conduct this experiment other than do some awkward experimenting. But uh, I'll report well, all right, more. So here's a weird thing that I know. And I'm not, I know this from listening to sports radio, which is actually very interesting tie-in. Um, very popular adult destination, Pornhub.com. I don't know if anybody out there has heard of that. but uh, uh, I think it's the number one trafficked website in the world, if not. They actually share their analytics. Oh, my like gosh. In, in an open source way. So the reason, here's the funny thing. The reason why I know about it through Sports Talk Radio is that there are um, tons of studies done about when viewership drops um, for certain sporting events. So uh, certain sporting events, if the game becomes an unwinnable situation, like uh, World Series Game 7, for example. World Series Game 7 gets out of reach for the losing team. Pornhub traffic in the losing city's location goes through the roof. So, that, and that they talk the about this on thing Sports Radio. in a long time, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is not the direction that we thought this episode was going to go, but it's a very interesting technology data point. So to bring that back to your, your hypothesis um, about the two streams accidentally crossing, uh, it's a really interesting metaphor that I saw yeah, there. Well, please don't need the visual. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would guess that they already are intersecting in certain areas because there's all kinds of tracking that goes on. So I, I guarantee there's cross cross tracking. If so there's ads in, involved, same same ad networks possibly, guarantee there's crossover. So uh, interesting you say that because it feels like so when Facebook has a breach, they don't they don't rush the press, right? They're trying to keep a lid on it and all this stuff. And so what somebody kind of made the comparison was it's more like a unexploded ordinance. They know it's out there. They know it's going to go off. 
like, you know, break in the news, but they don't know when. And so what they do is they get in the war room, they, you know, they get ready for their canned response and, and, and whatnot. And so, um, my, my point here is, is at what point is the revelation that Facebook now also has that data? And I say that data with air quotes. I think it's highly likely that all, so like, let's say that, let's say the Pornhub is the Amazon of adult sites. I would say that, you know, Amazon, Pornhub, Google, Facebook, I bet you they all have the same dirty, dirty gene pool of data. I, I came up with the episode title for this one too. It's Data Breach Orgasm, just for the record. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's good to have a working title. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, let's go ahead and uh, change right topics completely. <laughs> uh, let's talk about robots. Bob, you, you had something about robots you want to talk about? Please, oh, not those kind so of robots, shared, by the way. Yeah, no, no, not sex bots. That's a whole nother episode. We'll Come have a soon. whole episode dedicated <laughs> to that. <laughs> um, you posted our, our friends over at Boston Dynamics. Uh, just always they're coming up with great marketing material, if not uh, great technological innovations. And you shared a little uh, video of a bunch of the robot dogs kind of forming a sled team, and they were pulling a large truck. And I was just fascinated by, you know, they showed it from the side, and then they showed the, the front angle, which was terrifying, the front angle. But um, it also showed them firing up to pull this full-size truck. And I'm not talking like a, a, a pickup truck. I'm talking like a box truck or a big, you know, it's an actual industrial-sized truck. It only took them three, four cadences of, you know, uh, jogging or whatever, prancing, whatever those dogs do. And they got that thing rolling. That was impressive. Impressive and, and incredibly scary. Could you imagine if those were walking at you? I mean, oh my God, run. This is like zombie run. This is not, you know, this is like, no, pick up the little children and run and push down your, your enemy so they get eaten first to run. This is bad run, right? <laughs> I almost, I almost peed okay. my pants just watching it in video. So, so yeah, that was not a big right, topic. So I just wanted to get that one in there. That was a good one. All right, so uh, medium-sized topic here. So uh, sometimes I find that I'm truly addicted to my phone, and a lot of people are in denial. Oh, I'm not not uh, addicted to my phone, yada, yada, yada. But I think it's bullcrap. I think we're all addicted to our phones, just to what extent. I mean, um, when your phone vibrates, it's like... You know, you want to go check it when you're away from your phone. You know, you feel like you need to be in a constant proximity to your phone, or at least I do. Um, and then when uh, some post on whatever platform takes off, you get this little dopamine high, then you get a little bit of a hangover. And then if you post and it doesn't take off, you get a little bit of sadness. Um, Bob, is it just me or is this kind of a symptom of mobile culture? I think for sure it's a legit thing and it's not just mobile culture. I think it's just culture in general today that people are dealing with their technology addictions. Um, just like other addictions, there's going to be people who can function at a higher level, even though they're suffering from the addiction. And, uh, but it's definitely prevalent when you have device manufacturers. Um, I don't know if it's built into the Android OS, but you showed me, you know, you've showed me a snapshot of your monitoring software. Um, Apple actually has that built into their OS right now. Of course, I'm trying to find it, and uh, I can't, but. <laughs> so, so do you actually look at the numbers ever, or is it just meaningless stats right now? Actually, I get a local report. Um, not a local. I get a, a regular report. It comes every Sunday, and it gives you a snapshot recap of your week. And I actually did find it. I don't. It's somewhere in settings, but I just did a search for it. So you can get a you get a daily kind of breakdown, but then at the end of the week you get a full report, and uh, it shows you um, shows you how you did or did not do. And uh, like my daughter, for example, there's a capability to set app limits in there, and she's tried to set them, but I've watched her override the limit every time it comes up. <laughs> 
Yeah, so that's what I was going to bring up. So I set my Twitter to one hour a day, my Instagram to one hour a day. That's the only two I, I limited because um, those, those are my two biggest defenders. And so far, I haven't overridden them. When I hit the limit, I'm, I'm done. Um, but strangely, I don't hit the limit in the, during the weekdays because I have a browser that allows right. me to circumvent, circumvent it. But on the weekends, I'm typically mobile only, and I definitely hit those limits. And so, so far, actually, since I turned on the limits, I like it. My, my ways to mitigate this before was to just remove Twitter off my phone altogether. And then I had to go find a computer if I wanted to send a tweet or read a tweet. And so what it did, it made it inconvenient for me. And it actually does work until you get too annoyed that it's inconvenient for you. And then you slowly put it, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to put this back on, but I promise to limit, you know, my usage and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at on this stuff right now. The interesting, I don't know if your uh, app has this, but, the interesting stat that's in this data set is pickups per hour. So it actually tracks how many times you pick up your phone. And that's a very interesting, um, and it tells me what the first used app was more times than not. Or it actually tells me every time I picked up the phone. So like I used Sonos 16 times today. So my primary pickup was to interact with my sound system, not with social media. So that's kind of cool. Um, my app tells you how many times you've unlocked your phone. So on Android, you know, you put in your pattern or whatever. So it's it's kind of a similar, similar. thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Yep. And and my app is a third party app. It's not built into Android. My my phone's also going on three years old for whatever whatever reason. It might be built into the latest Android. I I think I'm on the latest one. Um, but I rather than calling it Android, I I think just yeah, we need to call it something more like you know, hack, you know, please take all my data OS. But anyway, so sorry, I got a dog in here making racket. That's okay. Here's my question though, is if as a society, we've acknowledged that there is technology addiction, social media addiction, and we have device manufacturers, including software that could technically help you mitigate or manage that how seriously are we taking the addiction because obviously the manufacturers know that we're not going to use their devices less even though we have that software uh spoiler alert they're not going to help us at all because you know it's all about those dollars is it not it's, it's exactly that but i'm just intrigued like i guess i'm i think it's like a false a false good guy move to put that software on the device because you know it's not going to change habits. But when Apple had their big, you know, their big event and they talked about this, that's exactly how they framed it, is that they were going to help people step away from technology by our phone. <laughs> well, I call total, complete and total bull, especially from anyone like Facebook because... We are we are just means to the next dollar to them, and they need us to be addicted. And then in that podcast uh, with Sam Harris and Roger, um, you know, they they talked about those primal feelings where you know they're trying to appeal to our our what makes us human, for lack of a better term. And one of those things is being able to be addicted and being outraged and. They want retention. They were talking about, remember Farmville and stuff like that? I don't even know oh, if yeah. that stuff's still, still around. But that was, you know, wave one of let's get people addicted, right? Let's get people on our platform. Let's get them playing with each other. Then they'll be on our platform. We can market to them longer and longer and longer. And, you know, that evolved into, you know, wherever we're at today, Um and I believe the whole Farmville stuff like that, they were doing something weird with the data. I didn't fully grok it, maybe understand a little better. And they had to make a deal with the government where they had to stop doing something. Did you did you get that part at all? I didn't. I, that was probably when I had to pause it and I wasn't really engaged when I turned it back on because uh, of work calls. But uh, yeah, uh, it doesn't shock me. I mean, and it doesn't shock me that there's a flavor of online Facebook game to reach pretty much every demographic that's out there. Okay. 
let's stick a fork in this. Let's, uh, at least I'm trying to limit my, my mobile usage time and I'm using apps to help me do it while these dogs are being really loud in the background and it's really <laughs> annoying. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, they both have bones and who, who gave, who gives their dogs bones right before you go on a podcast? I don't know. Okay. They're Silly supposed to be owner. quiet. Silly yeah. owner. Okay, now that I've completely um, gotten us off that topic, uh, I'm going to read you a tweet from Tim Pool at TimCast. Uh, he says, they scream and yell about fake news. YouTube implements algorithmic solution. Algorithms screws up. They complain again. There's only one solution to giving them what they want, and it's shutting YouTube down. People are mean. People lie, and you can't stop it. Can you, can you stop people from being mean, Bob? No. Online? No, no, and it's funny because he's one dude that probably hates YouTube more than we do. Like, he is so angry with them right now. Although he's got 100,000 followers on his newest channel, I think. And so he's such a, he's so funny. So Notre Dame Cathedral, and by the way, I got made fun of, oh, I didn't. Americans got made fun of calling it Notre Dame because we have the University of Notre Dame here in the States. And I don't even know how the French pr- pronounce Notre Dame or whatever heathen. it's called. Okay, sure. Uh, YouTube decided it was a great idea during some sort of live stream or whatnot to put a 9-11 info box underneath the pictures of the burning church, uh, basically kind of implying that there was terrorism related when so far there's zero terrorism related to that. Did you did you see any of those articles yet, Bob? Uh, yeah, I've actually seen some chatter about that online. I think, um, yeah... YouTube obviously somehow screwed that up. I'm not even sure how that happens. Um, but uh, the the weird, like, people that you think you know saying crazy stuff about that before any reports come out, that was very eye-opening for me on Facebook yesterday. <laughs> and then Glenn Beck, I don't, I'm definitely not a Glenn Beck fan, but he was trending today on Twitter because he'd said something to the effect of, if it were Islamists who started the fire, you'll never hear about it. Basically trying to start a conspiracy theory that it was Muslims who are, are uh, you know, somehow involved. And welcome to the world in 2019, folks. Oh, that must have been where the whack jobs on my Facebook feed were getting it from. Because I was like, really? Are these people even bright enough to put, like, even pretend put that together? So, uh yeah, if you if you're friends with me on Facebook and you question if I think you might not be the brightest, then uh, I might be talking about you. <laughs> so I'm going somewhere with this, and what I'm getting at is YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. They've got a lot of users. Would you agree, Bob? <laughs> I, I think they have a few. <laughs> They've got as a the few. kids say. They've got most of humanity locked up right now. Um, so the only way for them to scale is to make use of automation. And one thing that they're employing is AI and machine learning. And breaking, Jack Dorsey today uh, was having a TED Talk or something to do with the TED organization, um, was basically, he admitted that, hey, we're finally using uh, machine learning and AI to help combat some of this. And it kind of got a little bit chippy, apparently. And one of the organizers um, said something to the effect that, hey, we're on a great voyage with you on the Twitanic, which I the thought twi- was interesting. Yep, the Twitanic. The Twitanic. Uh, he said, there are people in steerage saying, we're worried about the iceberg ahead. And you say, that's a good point. But our boat hasn't been built to handle it. And we're waiting and showing this extraordinary calm. While, or, or, there, you know, we're all waiting and showing this calm. And then everyone's like saying, Jack, turn the fucking wheel. So this is kind of paraphrasing this, this article on Wired that I'm sure we'll have in the show notes. But it just kind of goes to show that, okay, in order to play along in this world where you have so many users, we're going to have to be able to scale and we're going to have to leverage technology. The problem with that is, is AI, in my opinion, so editorial here, will never be 100%. It, um, <laughs> and you should probably only apply it in situations where 80% is good enough. And despite all the humans that YouTube, Facebook, and whatever have hired to do their monitoring... They don't even monitor those top hundred stories. I mean, you ha- <laughs> cathedral burning down. They have this message box under 
this on YouTube, and YouTube is asleep the wheel. Is that what's going on? I mean, what's going on there? Well, that very well could be asleep at the wheel for that. I, I like I said, I'm baffled by how that even happens <clears throat> on a network or a whatever they're calling themselves a platform of that size. But um, you know that human. You say the eighty percent good enough. I'm I'm thinking that Flat Earth got its takeoff when it was all those people that were watching, and I'm sure that they decided that there's no way that Flat Earth was going to catch on, and lo and behold. <laughs> Right. And so one thing that bothers me about Facebook is when they say, well, we hired a bunch of people. What they're really telling you is they outsourced a bunch of people to review a lot of these things. Um, and they're low paid. A lot of them end up with PTSD because they <laughs> your job is to go find the bad part of our platform and bury it. And so, you know, I'd also like to kind of level set because I think it's an unrealistic expectation that AI will take over the world or that AI is the solution to all problems. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's pragmatic limits to all of it and humans need to be involved in this decision making. We can't automate morality or can we, Bob? Well, I don't think, I think that AI is not going to replace near as much as, you know, the marketing says it's going to replace. But I did paste that article um, about the 12 AI technologies that are helping or the 12 areas of healthcare where AI is helping. So, um, you know, things like patient records and being able to run algorithms and learn, you know, tendencies for specific injury types or specific illnesses or specific cancers. I mean, all that stuff where you can use that computational power and that inference that, you know, math can give you and still be monitored by scientists, doctors, etc. I, I think it's a tool. I don't think it's going to ever be a replacement. You know, like so, the, the air hammer is not a replacement for a hammer. <laughs> you, I love your analogy because I, I was uh, kind of doing a back and forth on Twitter today. And I, I fully believe that AI and machine learning should be enhancing hu in human you know, like a tool, not replacing them. Uh, Facebook and YouTube are trying to, in my opinion, automate the unautomatable. They are trying to replace humans. They are because they can't scale because they need humans to moderate the however many millions of videos that get uploaded, the however many millions of posts that get posted and they can't keep up. There's just not enough humans. So they have to punt to these AI machine learning. And I think they're trying to solve the problem with the wrong solution and they keep chasing down that path. What say you, Bob? Yeah, there's just not enough people because let's even say that there's only 1 billion people on each of those platforms. Let's pretend it's the same 1 billion people. I mean, is it is it one human moderator to 100,000 people? Is it one human moderator to 1,000 people? Is it one human moderator to a hundred? You start to look at those numbers and that's a giant staff. So, you know, uh, think of it this way. So there's this thing called the Achilles paradox. I think it's got another name too, but, um, what, what think of it as an infinite zoom. I'm trying to paint a picture for a listener here. If you were to zoom in on Google maps, right before you got to that location that you wanted to see, the ground went deep and farther away from you. And then you try to zoom in further than the ground moved farther away from you too. So for me, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning, I think is, is the, is, is it's a paradox. You'll never get, um, the same sort of quality a real human being will ever give you. I mean, if we think about it, medical doctors have never fully modeled the human brain, and we're going to ask computer scientists, programmers, junior, senior, whatever, pick a title, engineer, software developer, to do it. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, it's how how can we how can we map the mind when doctors haven't even done it, Bob? Well, I think what's going to happen is that there will be a partnership to a certain point, but I think that that might be that might be a, not the best example. I don't know. I get really, I get really conflicted um, with this stuff because, you know, I think of the AI from a pure AI perspective. Like if you're thinking about the theoretical scientists who are exploring what AI could be, they're looking at very much like the development of a human being. So if we were using the Achilles paradox, 
then there'd be no way that a child could be as smart or smarter than their parent because they were at a farther back starting the race, if we're, we're using that exact Achilles metaphor. And we know that that's not true. So that actually breaks the paradox. So AI, in theory, could break the paradox because we don't know. Right. So, right. So the, the, the paradox would basically say that, you know, the, the race could never happen or Achilles could never catch the turtle. So, and we know that that's not true. So therefore it's a paradox. So I think that's, that's the hope, you know, I think it's more hope than anything at this point that, you know, we're trying to turn AI into sci-fi somehow, but we're all really should be doing pragmatic things and not turning it into exceptional science fiction things. Well, and I think you have several camps in this, in this, you know, expedition and you have the camps that are using it, using AI to develop assistive tools to our already existing brilliant minds to make them more capable as a, as a collective. And then you have the people that are off to the side, maybe doing the science fiction you know, this is going to replace human. This this is going to pass the Turing test. This is, you know, those kind of... Uh, did you watch Ex Machina, by the way, or Ex Machina yet? I haven't yet. Um, I did dig out an old... or It's not old. I did dig out my Apple TV because I'm living in a basement while my home is being built. And I watched Game of Thrones, uh, you know, premiere. And now I have the ability, I believe, to stream... But I have to get a running start. I have to start downloading it, you know, then like come back later. You know, hashtag rural internet. Um, okay, that was a long way of saying no, Bob. I haven't watched it yet. You should. Because, <laughs> okay. I mean, that, that will help round out the whole, you know, the science fiction aspect of AI. Okay, last provocative question of the night for you. Who determines what is considered AI and what is just considered a piece of software? An ordinary piece of software. I believe I saw this on a Twitter poll. Um, you did. I think it's marketing. I think it's 100% marketing that determines something is AI. And I think they blur the lines all the time. Like, every algorithm is not AI. Well, see, that's the thing. It's, it's almost like it's, well, what do you want it to be? I want it to be more expensive and more more sophisticated. Well, you got to call it AI then. And we'll run a bunch of fancy ads saying this is run by IBM or Microsoft Cloud, Azure AI, blah, 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 or AWS or whatever. And so the Twitter poll that I put out was, do developers get to self-decide, hey, this is AI? Well, okay. Is it just because, you know, it sounds cooler? Is it marketing for the same motivations? Or do we have to have a governing body? And, and <laughs> here's where I'm going to take this. Once upon a time, we had nine planets in the, in the solar system, and Pluto lost out. And then I, you have to ask yourself, well, who gets to decide what's a planet, what's not a planet? And so there's a governing body that actually decides what's a planet, what's not. They came up with a definition, and Pluto, sorry, you, you got demoted. So I, I thought it you, got back you, in. No, it's still not a planet. Wah, wah, wah. So yeah, so there do probably you should be an AI governing body that puts the AI stamp like it's an officially stamped AI product. Well, see, that's that's the problem. I don't think so because I think it's going to be a collection of the 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 old white dudes in a smoky room, also known as big tech. You know, deciding that only we can produce AI. These startups and you know, and this this company that the, Bob and Kevin work for, they can't possibly make AI. They're not Google. They're not Mark. They're not big name. They're not skyscraper with the corporate logo on the side in Silicon Valley or in you know Washington. Or so, for or for one point five million dollars, we can run an AI certification program. And deem your product AI certified. <laughs> oh, that's even worse. Oh, yeah, that's diabolical. In fact, I'm certain. So it's my fear that that's where we're headed down. That we have to have some, acad you know, it's like academia. We have accreditation for colleges. Well, what makes my university worth anything or not? Well, so and so said so. Because so I wrote so the check. There you go. Same with same with IT certifications. What makes you think that you know this? Well, I've got this piece of paper. Well, how much was that training? 
oh, that's right. You paid for this piece of paper and almost everybody passes, you know, wink, wink, you know. So it's, it's my hope that AI, you know, I guess I should commit to something here. I think it's up to the company that's writing the software. We feel that this is advanced enough that we would consider this AI. But the thing is, again, you and I have had a, a an episode that I really enjoyed talking. Is any of this technology new anyway? I mean, AI right. has been around forever. It's called, you know, the, it's called the computer player in, in chess. <laughs> you know, machine learning, it's been around for a long time. It's called statistical analysis, also known as math. And so I'm just, you know, I'm ponder, I ponder these things. I don't know why. But, you know, one day I... <laughs> I, it's like, you know, one day somebody's going to say the moon is part of the country of whatever, you know, and it's like, well, is it or you just said it is. And is that a good thing or not? You know, so I think we're going to get down a path where people are going to start either labeling everything AI. And if everything's AI, nothing is AI you know, right. type thing. <laughs> it's just normal software like it's always been. And if you want to call it AI because your your spend, your burn rate on your servers is high, <laughs> <laughs> go for it. But I, I almost think that's a function of it. It's like, well, we have you seen my Amazon bill or have you seen my Azure bill? Oh, shit. Let's call it AI or machine learning so we can attract those VC dollars. Yeah, sounds good, guys. You know, so... I think that's the world we kind of live in. Bad code, data death loops must be AI. Look at our Azure spend. I want to wrap the show with a word of warning. Uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, but Internet Explorer 11 is now considered a threat just by simply being installed on your computer. Have you seen this? Oh, no. Microsoft, what have you done? <laughs> Isn't oh. IE 11 the one right before Edge, which is the Edge's current, y- right? Yes. Yeah, so there's an article floating around and Gosh, we're going to have so many show notes. Uh, long story short, if I can make one, basically it, it comes down to phishing. Somebody will get you to click something and it will uh, automatically launch, uh, I think it's like an MBT file or something like that because it's associated with Internet Explorer. Even though you never use it, you use Chrome or even use Edge now. But when you click said link, it now opens Internet Explorer 11 because it's the only browser automatically you know, associated with that file and boom, you're compromised somehow. So... The public service message is is to change what uh, the MBT file uh, opens with, or I don't even know if you can disable IE11. Maybe you I can, think you can, can uninstall IE11. I think you can. So, not only is IE11 IE11 now, it's a threat just being on your machine, which is so Aww. so Microsoft. I might have to <laughs> might have to drop that by my IT friends in the morning because I'm gonna guess they probably know about this but i don't know we'll see i'll get you i'll get you the link so we can also share with the crew and bob i think we only have one more order of business here i'm gonna bring 